Hey everybody, welcome back to the Elijah Rising podcast where we discuss the myths, misconceptions, and most asked questions about sex trafficking. Today I am subbing in for Adam Cheney, who is here but operating the camera. <laughs> um, and I'm joined uh, by David Gamboa, who is many times behind the camera. Welcome, yeah. David. Glad to be here. Yeah, I, I mean, you're never here because we don't office here. <laughs> Just kidding, we're always here. <laughs> But we are glad to have you. Um, we decided to let myself and David have this conversation about the questions that we hate from the media. How many times because do you think... Because we have a lot of stories. We have, let me just say. We have a lot of stories. How many times do you think you have engaged with the media since working with Elijah Rising? Um, uh, probably maybe 60 times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Same. Yeah, it's it's pretty um, incredible how many times we've gotten a call. And and to those who don't know, we might it, it doesn't look like, hey, let's plan for three weeks. What does it look like? Someone from yeah, media so calls, what does it sound like? News breaks, we'll get a call like 11 a.m. with a news reporter saying, hey, we're doing this story. Can you be ready for an interview in like the next 30 minutes? Yes, 30 minutes. So we minutes. all run to our computers, do our research, figure out what the story is, what happened. and Make then, sure that it's something that we should be talking about or should not be talking about. Um, yeah, and then you never know what type of reporter you're going to get. Sometimes they really do want to report on the story to help further the movement to fight sex trafficking. Other times they're just really doing it to create sensation. Yeah. Um, it, sometimes they're being opportunist. Sometimes they're, tr- they're aiming to paint Elijah rising even in a bad light. Um, because you, you just never know what you're going to get. You kind of hope for the best prepare for the worst. Yeah. And I'll say we love the media. Like we're not doing this episode because you know, we want to foster some hateful relationship towards yeah. journalists or we media. We love the media. We the need media the media. The media is so powerful. Messaging is so powerful. The messaging of what happens in our world determines a lot of the outcomes. Absolutely. Which we'll share about in this podcast. But And I um, need a disclaimer. Maybe you disclaimered for yourself, but I need a larger <laughs> disclaimer for myself because I know that I will visibly and audibly convey frustration in this podcast. I can feel it. I was excited. This was my topic idea. Um, but this does my passion, my frustration, my anger or zeal do not reflect um, any lack of respect for the media because honestly, we need them to report on what we're doing. We need them. We're grateful. We're so grateful. We've had so many good experiences with um, all different types of media, local, international, um, but my frustration is with narratives that harm women who and men who are trying to overcome sex trafficking. And those narratives um, that get funneled into the media unknowingly, that's what makes me very angry. So please yeah. do not read all of my frustration, saltiness, anything <laughs> as uh, towards people who have tried to help us in the media. It's really towards this narrative. Yeah, and if you're a journalist and you're watching this, um, we hope you find this episode helpful. Yes, yes. And, and if you're a journalist and you're watching this and you want our help, we are here to help. We're here to educate. We want to partner. We want to be the people that you call at 11 to be ready in 30 minutes because it helps people know that we exist. To help people. It helps spread the um, awareness of services that are being given to um, the people who need it. So we really appreciate all that the media has Yeah, and, and if you're watching this too and you have a social media account, in some way you're kind of like a journalist because you publish content. You publish content on your Instagram, on mm-hmm, your Facebook. Mm-hmm. You use language that um, it perpetuates shapes, narratives. Yeah. It shapes the movement. It, it does. It perpetuates narratives. And um, the more education that you can 
have, the more update. And I'm we're learning all the time. You know, I, I've been in this movement now for over eight years, um, mm. and then with Elijah Rising for seven, and I'm still learning every day to improve my language, to better listen and yeah. and speak in a way that hopefully. Um, honors the people that we're serving. So it's it's a journey. It's not about the destination. It's a journey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so All right. So you want to get to some of the questions? Yes. Let's get to some of the questions that we don't like. <laughs> um, <laughs> so what is the first thing that you hear as soon as a person comes in and they want to talk about sex trafficking, specifically sex trafficking in Houston? Well, they always want like, the question always comes up. Is there one statistic that Just sums one. up how bad trafficking is in Houston? And that's such a difficult question to answer. A, because there's not a lot of research done in Houston. The research that is done in Houston does not cover um, every sort of venue where trafficking occurs. Absolutely. It's, it's going to be a very focused study done on either Alyssa massage parlors or cantinas. Or online, um, online sex trafficking. Online sex trafficking. Or it's only going to include minors mm-hmm, who mm-hmm. have been trafficked. It's not going to include any statistics on adults. And so having that statistic to show like how bad the problem is is really difficult to come up with. And I know that journalists, they just want that statistic at you know the front of their article just to kind of make that point clear that right. sex trafficking is right. a big problem in Houston and then I'm going to show you kind of mm-hmm. and it's why. difficult because it's an underground criminal um, enterprise that is difficult to track, not to mention it happens in so many different ways, so many different areas and so many different venues that it's so, and a lot of times you can take one statistic, like I, I remember, and I'm not, I'm not, um, calling anyone out. This is just a, a specific study that was done. I think it was in the year 2014. There was a lot of, um, there was a lot of attention on Bissonnette. And so someone did a study to say out of all the arrests or trafficking victims that were met in a certain period of time in the certain arrest record, they found that there was no child trafficking and no international trafficking. But um, I was in a meeting and we said, well, that sample size doesn't represent the entire city. That's in one area. And we know, and you know, it was kind of a few years old. And so we have to, we don't want to just throw out that one statistic that only gives one idea of it without showing that it's a very, very complex issue. Very, very complex. And I think with the statistics, you get into this mindset of like, you, you develop a threshold of like, well, if there's a thousand people trafficked in a city, then that's bad. Yeah. And it's like even one person trafficked in a city is not okay. Yeah. And it's something that it's a network that moves across cities. And I would say the other thing that, that journalists say a lot that is, is kind of hard because sometimes they throw it out in the middle of something live. They say, well, Houston's the number one city for trafficking in the United States, which we are in the world or in the world. <laughs> you know, we, I, we've been in the middle of something and someone goes, well, Houston is the world trafficking hub and I'm like, uh, um, you know, and, and because we don't, we don't have to, um, like invalidate a problem in a different city in order to say that we need to move. Yeah. Like it's not a competition. Like we do not want to be, we don't want to win that competition trafficking in the world or the United States. Yeah. We want to be the hub for solutions of sex trafficking. Um, and it, we don't need to have this sensational, like we're the worst in order for it to be important, which we kind of, I think that's a thing that people enjoy, not enjoy, but they want to say that to get people's attention. But the more that we over exaggerate, Statistics. The more that we over-exaggerate something that may or may not be true, the more that it invalidates the reality of the issue. Yeah. So we just want to be careful. Yeah, and we also can focus on some other statistics. Like we know that the United States is one of the top 
consumers of sex mm-hmm. in the globe, in yeah. the world. And one of the top uh, producers of child pornography. Yeah. Or, you know, we have some great statistics about the amount of uh, men who have bought sex in the city of Houston compared to other cities. So there's a lot of great statistics that paint a picture, but you know, we just, we just want to be aware in Elijah rising. We are working on even looking for the best statistics that we can offer media. We can offer people and you guys will be the first to know as we put out that content. Yeah, definitely. Um, the next thing I want to say is um, how journalists, and this is maybe one of my bigger issues is how journalists talk about women or men or children who have been prostituted. So what are some of the things that you've heard journalists call um, the people who are involved, who are the people who are being trafficked? Well, it's common language to, you know, say like a story about prostitutes on the street. And even now we're seeing with the Jeffrey Epstein case, we saw a lot of the terminology child prostitute, which is um, not actually like a legitimate term. It's not a thing. And yeah. and what happens is when we use that kind of messaging, like we we're saying, messaging determines the narrative that affects outcomes. Mm-hmm, By mm-hmm. saying child prostitute, it normalizes yes. children being sold for sex. Yes, or even yeah, and and even in a situation um, where we don't know if we don't know the situation of the woman, like they'll they'll say, well, you know, all these prostitutes are on the street. We don't know. Well, or we do know that there's a pimp right there watching her. She's not a prostitute she's a trafficked person or she's a prostituted person that's something that's happening to her and it has such a negative connotation um that you know we've heard things like oh these prostitutes um i even once had um someone in in a interview question say well how do you just tell the difference between a whore and a trafficked woman wow and i you know um i kept my composure as best as I could because no woman should ever be called a whore or anything, no matter what. That's just not a word that you, you communicate to another human being. But, um, we said, well, we, we don't know, but we know that there's a lot of exploitation in sex trafficking, you know, in, in prostitution of all different types of ways. So we really want to be careful the way that we call people, what we call people. And, I, honestly, my biggest qualm is why are, we shouldn't define the person by what's happening to them. Yeah. One thing that we're even learning in our language is not to say, you know, just trafficking survivors, but instead saying with the women we serve, specifically women, we say women who've overcome trafficking, women who have survived trafficking, because that's not the main identifier of their entire life. Like that's not all that they are. Right. Um, so we're even trying to expand that, but we've heard some crazy words about, you know, people saying, well, these prostitutes, these women, these fall, you know, it, it, it's been pretty crazy. Yeah. And I think people are really realizing the power of language and the power of words. Um, even with the Pornhub, um, article, like the New York times published an excellent article on, oh, yeah. on Pornhub and you'll see they, they didn't use terminology like child pornography. They used, um, child sexual images of child sexual abuse mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that more accurately portrays what's happening because we get into this way of normalizing things. Mm-hmm. And we did mm-hmm. that with pornography. We said, well, adult pornography is fine, but child pornography is not okay. Right. And it's created. And because adult pornography has been able to thrive, now we see a proliferation of child pornography. Yes. And so we really need to just call it what it is. Yeah, images of sexual abuse. It's sexual abuse caught on camera, and it's so 
it's so heartbreaking. It was such a beautiful article because one of the young women, if you haven't read it, we very, very, we posted it on, on the Elijah rising Facebook. Um, but this person says, you know, it's been years since I've been in that life, but those images hang over my head. They, they're, they're still following me everywhere I go. Um, and I, you know, it shows the way that you can report on something and make it really, really honorable to the person that you're, you're interviewing because it's kind of a thing. Like if you're going to interview someone, if you're going to tell a story, that's really, really heartbreaking. That's really, really, um, about a sensitive subject, please spend the time to talk to who you're interviewing beforehand. Give them a heads up on every question you're going to ask, ask them how they would like to be referred to ask the questions because I have sat in some studios of some very, very prominent, um, people who have been doing this for years and should know better didn't speak with the people um, who had been a survivor of sex trafficking until the moment they sat on stage Wow! and then asked horrible questions. I heard, I heard a journalist ask someone who um, was sharing their story, which they didn't longer story. They weren't even there to share their story, ask them about their story without their permission. Wow! Um, say, what did it feel like when that first man climbed on top of you when your trafficker sent you out? And, the crowd, of course, because it was like a live audience, was like, oh my gosh, how am- like, wow, she's so brave. But it, we all knew that that was a complete... Um, it was exploitation. It was exploitation, yeah. and it was, it was re-abusing that person. Um, so please, if you're, if you're going to interview someone, if you're going to talk to someone about this, we ask that you just spend some time, ask them some questions. They might educate you, if, especially for us. If you give us a heads up, we'll tell you, hey, let's not say this language. We'd prefer this language. Yeah. Um, but we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about the questions that we hate from the media and give you guys some takeaways so that you, as a voice um, in your own sphere of influence, can speak about this issue in a way that really honors the people that we're trying to help in ending sex trafficking. When we began to face the issue of sex trafficking, we were devastated by the number of survivors who struggled to find lasting and safe employment. We realized that a major part of the recovery process had to be economic empowerment. The women that we serve have survived immense harm, but their resilience and strength inspire us every day. These women are creators, innovators, and visionaries. They deserve the freedom to thrive and pursue their greatness. At Elijah Rising, we create hand-built goods that empower women who have survived human trafficking. We know that you're gonna love what we make at Elijah Rising Goods because we believe in the goods that we create and we believe in the amazing women that produce them. Hey everyone, welcome back. We're tackling the questions that we hate getting from media. And I want to share a story. Um, a couple of years ago, we were at our old office, which used to be like a former brothel that we shut down. And um, 40 journalists from around the world uh, set up a time to come and ask us questions. At the same time. At the same time. <laughs> <laughs> they all showed up on one bus and we you know, funneled them into our prayer room. And I just remember them all sitting and Sam is sitting up on the, uh, we had a little platform and they just have their, their notebooks out, their microphones on, their cameras all pointed um, at Sam. 
And they just start grilling us with all these questions. And they're from around the world. And so they're asking us questions about, like, you know, what's happening in Sweden? And we're like, we're in Houston. Like, we're just going to talk on Houston things. Um, But I remember one journalist asked you a question that um, caught us all off guard. And I can tell that it caught you off guard Mm -hmm, for a mm -hmm. second. And in my mind, I was thinking... How is Sam going to answer this? <laughs> yeah. Do you remember yeah. that? I I remember it so vividly. And, and it was so scary because we had like not only 40 journalists, but 40 recorders like faced at me. <laughs> and, you know, at the end of the day, like I'm, I'm just like a, and this was at the time, probably what, like three, four years ago, yeah. I'm like a 26 year old, you know, just person who was a volunteer who stayed on an organization. And yes, I have years of experience, but like, I I feel sometimes just like the young kid in the room who's very passionate. And all of a sudden these 40 reporters are staring at me and I'm supposed to represent the women we're serving. I'm supposed to represent Elijah rising and I'm supposed to represent Jesus. And they lobbed me this question, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, they're going to ask me about policy, you know, decrim policies, like how, what kind of, how do you think we should address trafficking? How do you think, what is the best model of, of you know, reforming, um, you know, the way that we criminally treat women who've been, you know, arrested for prostitution. But no, this journalist puts this recorder in my face and says, you're a faith-based organization. Don't you believe prostitution is a sin? And I, I, I paused because I didn't even want to speak I didn't want to give them any type of soundbite that would hurt the women that we love and serve or the men that we love and serve yeah. and or like say something stupid that just made me feel better. So I just paused and I felt like I had to like in 0.3 seconds remember the truth that is when we look at the woman who's been prostituted, we, we want to have the heart of Christ, which is one that sees her and sees grace and gives grace and love, but has anger towards the accusers and the oppressors. And we try to do likewise. Um, And in that moment, I was like, oh my God, that was the perfect answer. (laughs) Because I was terrified. And, and, you know, one thing that we've had to learn was that reporters will try to like, some reporters will try to get you to say things that are not representative of your heart. And um, we have to, even as a woman, I have to take my power and my ability my right to not fall to that um, and say, this is actually what I believe. I don't have to twist my words to what you want. And they'll, I've had one, I've had one interviewer three times say, um, well, don't you feel this way? Don't you feel this way? Like three different ways. I said, I'm not going to repeat that question because I don't actually believe it. Um, which is, you know, frustrating. Um, but I understand they're, they're trying to loop together a story. And sometimes the complexity of trafficking doesn't fit perfectly in the narrative that they're trying to portray. Exactly. Um, which is a backwards way of reporting in the first place. It's just, it's just not right. Um, and another thing that isn't right (laughs) 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 while we're talking about things, um, another thing that I've seen, which isn't a question or it is a question that I've seen is I've, I've been alongside some amazing organizational leaders, um, overcomers of trafficking who are being invited by reporters to speak as an expert in the field. They're being invited to speak as a person who has changed laws, as a person who has led nonprofits, as a person who has written policy, as a person who has um, advised prosecutors across the country, as a person who advises nonprofits, and without consent, ask them about their trafficking story because they find out that they're also they have a lived experience of being trafficked without permission. And this is a, 
this is so offensive in so many ways because if someone gives you permission, they say, Hey, I'm happy to talk about that. That's fine. But if you are inviting them as an expert and all you do is define them by the worst thing that happened to them in their life, maybe a decade, two decades ago, that is so disempowering. And we, I, I can't stand to see it. Um, and I've seen it happen and I've seen it happen on live television where we can't pause and say, no, I didn't, I didn't agree to this. And you then have to bend your story of trauma to facilitate the needs of someone else's, um, you know, performance. And so you cannot do that. I, I implore you media people, journalists, if you invite an expert in human trafficking who so happens to be an overcomer, you need to ask, how would you like to be introduced? What are you comfortable sharing today? How can we highlight your, and even if they say, hey, we would love for you to share your story and that's why they want to come, say, what else can we highlight about the amazing things you've done to fight trafficking? Yeah, and really what I've, what I've encountered with some journalists is they'll even ask, like, what is okay language for me to use? What questions are okay? And they even will send their questions beforehand. It's so smart. And that's so helpful. It takes a little bit more work on their end to come up with what they're going to ask beforehand. But, you know, do that extra work just to show dignity to, and respect to another person before yes. just lobbing, you know, a question like that on someone. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's your day at work, you know, and, and we understand that you go through the motions um, and not everyone is trauma informed. Like I, we don't hold that against you, but ask questions. We would rather a media person ask a, a stupid question yeah. beforehand than to be in the middle of an interview and have something triggering or traumatizing or, or degrading come out and while the cameras are rolling because it's really scary. And even as me as a, as a, um, I, I, I was involved in one project, um, with Viceland and that was an amazing experience for me. Um, but unfortunately they, they lost a piece of footage where they, they were saying, why are you passionate about trafficking? You're, and I shared about my own abuse, a sexual abuse story and they lost all that footage and they sent a different director who I had not met, I was not oh, comfortable wow. with, didn't interview with. And I had spent hours and hours interviewing with the director that made me feel so comfortable to share all that. But they sent back this other guy. And it was this horrible experience where this person I didn't know was inside my home, didn't like warmly connect with me or talk to me and just put on a camera and asked me to share like the most hard thing about my personal sexual abuse. And I remember like crying and thinking like, I was crying because I was uncomfortable, but I thought, but this is what they want. They want a good, sad story. And I performed in that moment and it felt so wrong. And I don't, I don't put that against Viceland. Like they were so good to us and they were so good to me. Um, it was just an unfortunate situation, but I was like, man, I wonder how many times with even a harder thing, like trafficking, how many times they feel like they have to put on this performance because the camera's rolling, even though they weren't given the opportunity to say, I'm not comfortable talking about that. Yeah. Cause you feel like they came all this way. You have all these things, especially as women that we have, we're, we feel like we have to do it because we're in that fight, flight, or freeze, you know, moment. And it's just not fair. And at the end of the day, I think media has good intentions. Yeah. They, they want to share something so that people will be moved to fight back or to, to end this. I don't think they're intending to hurt anyone. So we just have to think about these things. Prepare a little bit. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, another question we always get, especially when we're doing like a video piece, is after they do the interview, they'll be like, okay, where can I get the most seedy, 
gritty b-roll footage i like i want to and if you're not in biz b-roll is like while they're talking you see like the footage of them driving by a building and we get so mad yeah because it's and and the uh, in this particular case i think they were doing something about hotels yeah they were and they wanted to find like you know there's the seedy motel and i got a little bit i got a little bit snippy i felt i felt like i was a little bit so i said why don't you record in your hotel why don't you show the hotel you're staying in cuz it's a nice place and i'm sure there's trafficking it's just this it's it's like exploiting vulnerability and poverty to tell a story when in reality trafficking happens with people who have money People who have money buy women and children and men for trafficking and to go around to someone else's lower income neighborhood to paint a picture of like, oh, poor them. When in reality, you should be showing like, you know, all the neighborhoods, all the suburbs in in Katy, Clear Lake, you know, Houston, Memorial, River Oaks. You should be driving by there and say, look, the buyers live here and here and and purchase here and at this hotel and that. Hotel Zaza has cases against trafficking. Hotel Derek had a huge trafficking bus and these are five star, four star, you know, huge hotels. And then you come to us and you say, yeah, we want to get this really ugly seedy motel. And yes, trafficking might happen there, but you got to paint a full picture. And I know that that guy was a good guy. And so I'm not trying to, like I said, but it just, it just makes me, it makes me angry because if anything, the people in the impoverished neighborhood neighborhoods, the marginalized neighborhoods are the ones being exploited already. So you want to go and exploit them more let alone the people hiding in their nice hotels, the people who are facilitating, who are benefiting from this huge... I mean, traffickers aren't living in those little seedy places. They're living in nice houses in our neighborhoods. I'm sorry. I just... It makes me mad that you're re-exploiting a community that has already been vulnerable and totally manipulated and taken advantage of by this other class. So it's just it's just kind of like classist and um, offensive and and it's it's... Yeah, I should. I but Grace and um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I just I feel strongly um, about it because it, 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 like I said, it's not that media person's fault. Yeah, it just you know a lot of times it's they have the to narrative. turn around a story in a day, and they're just kind of perpetuating whatever stereotype. And they, they landed have. they landed on a personal landmine of Sam's <laughs> frustration with the the exploitation of marginalized people and I'm like, "How dare you ask me that question?" <laughs> yeah. uh, go to your hotel. Where are you staying? <laughs> and he's like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 lady, I just want to talk about trafficking." Um, so yeah, don't come into the Elijah Rising office and ask for CD footage. I do have one funny story that we can kind of oh, yeah. wrap up with. Um this was when we, we created the petition to go against this sex robot brothel. Oh, and it just created this media frenzy. I mean, I think it was published in at least thousands of publications, like The Guardian and um, mm-hmm. Forbes. The, the View talked about the us. The View. <laughs> we were on The View. Maybe we'll put, Angry religious groups fight robot brothel. Maybe we'll put a little clip on that at the end of this episode. Whoopi Goldberg did not. Well, I don't know. Copyright issues. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. It's on the uh, But anyways, it was during that time. And I remember it was the day of our gala. We had our big annual mm-hmm. gala. And mm-hmm. so everybody's running around getting stuff ready. And we had just found out that day that the city of Houston um, passed the ordinance that would prevent this brothel from opening right and um i get a phone call or the office phone gets a phone call which is like a cell phone 
And so our admin at the time answers it and they call and they're like, hey, we want to speak to David. Which Your the protocol is guy. that, we, yeah, all media goes directly to David so that he can figure out, you know, what yeah. to do. So I'm like scrambling. I don't remember what I was trying to do, trying to fit up, set up sound or something. And someone hands me a phone and it's like someone's calling you. And I answer the phone and I am live on radio. And I don't know if you've seen Parks and Rec, but that... It was, exa- it was exactly, it was like that radio channel. With like the fart noises. Yes, and like- yes, all the noises. And I can hear all the noises on my phone. So they're asking me questions about the road. They're like, hey, you know, have you seen these dolls? Do you think these dolls are attractive? And I'm oh, just like trying to like God. navigate my and way. And mind out. you, remember, David said I'm really good under pressure in these situations. And I had just had a baby. A newborn. I was like five days postpartum this time. So I couldn't help with any of the media frenzy, which part of me, I was like, hold it. Like, yeah, I I really missed you. (laughs) And then, and so that was like, it wasn't a disaster. I dodged all his questions and I I think it ended up being fine. I don't know if you ever find the recording, let me know because Oh, uh, we need that. <laughs> we need that for the blooper reel. And actually, I know David said this was the last story. I want two. We have two more things that were that are that have had media stories that I want to share that have happened. One thing is that um, uh, they took audio from you talking to someone when you weren't on camera. Yeah, it was, yeah. Me and Kathy were outside at the campus, and we were just talking, making a side note. Kathy I think Gibbons. we. I mean, they didn't publish any like confidential information i think we said oh it's going to be so great or something but they used that little clip while the cameras weren't rolling which which is a great thing to know (laughs) which this is kind of funny so if you just came for like hard-hitting data you might want to log off but this is the reality is when you're getting interviewed they keep the mics on when you're not yeah they keep them live and um you know if you're a journalist you should ask permission about that audio but one time i was getting mic'd up for a show and um that i was being interviewed for and they took my shirt up over my brassiere without permission to hook oh, my wow. mic up. Um, and I mind you, like I, I was, I was clothed underneath my shirt, you know, I had, but he like lifted my shirt up and I was like, Whoa, okay. In the middle of my office, thank God, like you guys weren't there or some, you know, and yeah. hooked the mic up, but I forgot the mic was on. So the, he walked the corner around and I said, I was just sexually assaulted by a sound man. <laughs> and then I walked by and I was like, you heard everything I just said. And he was like, Yes. So um, with that. <laughs> yeah. So if you're a nonprofit or, you know, you um, get interviewed frequently, just take that note down. Take, <laughs> take that note. Please do not remove my shirt. Learn from our mistakes. Yeah. And remember, you have a sphere of influence. You were like a journalist. You're putting information out there. Get educated with the way that you spread um you know, advocacy and awareness about human trafficking so that people can really um share and promote a narrative that helps the people that we are trying to, you know, help. Yeah. So if you have any questions, um, leave them in the comments of our YouTube video, go ahead and hit the like. And also there's a little bell there. If you want to be notified whenever we have a new episode, go live, go ahead and ring that bell. Absolutely. We'd love to ask ask questions or or, um, answer your questions and engage with you guys. Thank you so much for being with us. And uh, we can't wait to get with you on the next podcast of the Elijah rising podcast.